Hello and welcome to the PBC Yankees podcast, a show about the greatest baseball team on earth, the New York Yankees. With your host, Chris Lorenzo, joined by Thomas Wang and Jackson Treneman. Hello, everybody. It is February 10th. I'm Chris Lorenzo, and thank you for tuning in to the first ever episode of the PBC Yankees podcast. If you haven't already followed us on Instagram, check us out at PBC Yankees. Also, check out our website, pbcyankees.com, where Jackson has been writing some great blog uh, content for the Yankees. Now, before we get into our main content, so we just share some background about us. So I grew up with Thomas, went to high school, elementary school, everything together. Then I met Jackson at college. So I had this idea to start a Yankees podcast. And uh, last semester I did a sports show uh, podcast too. And I really liked it. And I was like, I really want to go into the Yankees and maybe work for the Yankees one day. So I asked two of my good friends and this is where we are. So after the really boring Super Bowl, uh, here we are. Baseball is back. Spring training next week. Pitchers and catchers report. So let's get to know the gang. So I had some questions like icebreakers. So who is your favorite Yankee of all time? And who is your current favorite Yankee? Great, I'll go first. Uh, I'm Jackson. Uh, my uh, favorite Yankee of all time is Gary Sanchez. As weird as that may sound, and uh, he is also my current favorite Yankee, and I hope he's a Yankee for life. No, I agree. I love that. I love Gary Sanchez. A lot of people hate on him, but I, I see I see it. You're not a two-time All-Star for a reason. All right. Uh, well, I'm Thomas Wang. I go Villanova. I don't go to Fairfield with these guys. Anyway, my favorite Yankee of all time, Russell Wilson. Come on, two-sports star. Like, he's amazing. Uh, and my favorite Yankee right now is Garrett Cole. And then mine is Derek Jeter and Aaron Judge. And then the next thing I wanted to ask, other icebreaker, was what is your favorite moment from actually being at a Yankee game that you remember? So I'll go first. So mine was Jeter's 3,000th hit, which was actually a home run off David Price. And Jeter went five for five. I was kind of young, but I still remember it. And obviously watching the highlight, I remember the guy who caught it. And I remember like people talking about how he was escorted and they like, he had to get a lot of money for that ball because he didn't want to give it up, but it was pretty cool. Yeah, I remember hearing the story all about that, how he was very nice with Jeter, and Jeter, they exchanged with, like, he got some tickets to a bunch of the games, and it was overall a very, very great situation for everyone. All right, so mine was game four of the ALCS against the uh, the trash can Astros. <laughs> we were down 2-1 in the series. We were actually down 2 nothing coming into the three-game home stand. And we won game three. And then game four, we were trailing 4 nothing in the seventh. And I remember just feeling very down about everything, not feeling very confident. And in, I guess, typical judge fashion, he led the uh, seventh inning off with the homer. And then the rest is history. I, uh, the go-ahead uh, double was actually by your show. Gary Sanchez, so that's probably his best moment as a Yankee, but uh, hopefully we can have better ones in the future. Love it. Um, my favorite moment was in 2017 as well in the ALDS, Game 4. Uh, this is when the Yankees were down 2-0 to the Indians, and they came back down 2-0 to win the Series 3-2. That Game 4 was huge. Seve came out and pitched an absolute massive game. He went seven innings that game. And I think that was like after he screwed up in the ALDS. 
I'm sorry, no, the wild card. He had a really bad performance, and the bullpen had to uh, bail us out after that. So that was a huge game for him. And overall, the offense just exploded that night. So it was just a great game to be at. We forced game five. We went back there. Didi sold the show. And look at us. We lost to the freaking Astros. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually at that game, too. That's pretty cool. Awesome. That was awesome. Can't beat postseason baseball in the Bronx. I'm sorry. Nope. I've never been to a game in the postseason. I got to go. Oh, dude. Dude, the energy. Everyone's on their feet the whole time, dude. Like, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. We need that back. Amen. Yeah, we should all go together. Heck yes, please. Definitely. Get me out there. All right, now let's bring it back to the 2020 season for a second. So some background. Yankees finished 33-27, and 27, came in second place in the division behind the Rays, were injury-plagued the whole season, and then we swept the Indians in the wildcard series 2-0. It was a closer series than a sweep, obviously. There were some great moments, the Geo Grand Slam. And then we had to face the Mighty Rays, the team that went 40-20 and 20 and recently swept the Blue Jays. Yeah, so, I mean, we all know how that series ended up with the Rays. It was a very tough series. We, we lost in five games. It was tough. The Rays did play a great series. You had to give your hats off to them. They played very well last year. We lost game five. I scored two to one. And each team that game only had three hits. And Judge, Judge had one home run, and that was the entire offense for the Yankees that night. But yet again, Chapman gives up another tough home run, and that was another tough pill to swallow. That was really tough. I had a hard time swallowing that pill, and I'm sure all you guys did too. Anyway, and this is the first time that the Yankees failed to make a World Series in a decade for the first, and this is the first time ever. This is the first time since the 1910s, which is actually shocking, the fact that the Yankees didn't make the World Series this year. And then, as we know, the Dodgers, who had the best team overall and played the best baseball, went on to win the World Series against the Rays that year. And now I think Jackson's going to wrap up some uh, Yankee offseason stuff for us. Yeah, so definitely not a great end to the season. It's been World Series or bust for the last couple of years. It will continue to be that for the next couple of years. But Brian Cashman is going to do everything he can to keep us that way. So obviously the headline signing was DJ LeMahieu re-signing him. Integral part of our offense and just... Having a lineup full of strikeout guys who are possibly injury-prone, very home-run reliant, it's very nice to have a guy at the top of the lineup who just grinds out at-bats and gets on base in front of them. So that's that was the best signing. That would have just been enough, but we went even farther. So with the losses of Tanaka and Paxton, most likely, I highly doubt we re-signed Paxton, uh, we're going to need some pitching. And a quick thing on Tanaka. Tanaka was amazing for the Yankees. I remember him in the postseason. Up until this year, he struggled a little bit. But in the postseason, low one ERA. He was arguably one of the best postseason pitchers of our era. So it, I wish him luck back in Japan, but i definitely going to miss the guy. But re-sign um, Corey Kluber. We'll start off with him. He uh, won a Hall of Famer. I'm, I'm going to go out and say, just from his years in Cleveland, just uh, he, he's he's amazing. I don't know if he'll be at that form. I hope he is. I don't think he will be. But if he can stay healthy, he can give the Yankees very, very good innings. And then there's and then there's Jamison Tyone, who I'm personally very high on. I think that he can provide a solid number two in the rotation. I don't think he'll ultimately ultimately beat out Corey Kluber. 
But again, it doesn't really matter. They'll all be pitching in postseason series. So with Savvy coming back from Tommy John this year and not really sure when he's going to be back and how productive he will be, those two will be huge um, in the chase for 28. And then there's a couple other stuff. So they, they signed Darren O'Day, which is good. Canely left. Obviously, he was hurt last year. Their bullpen depth is a little sketchy. They just traded Adovino to the Red Sox. You could see Boone did not trust anybody other than Britton and Chapman last year, which resulted in them pitching in back-to-back games, pitching two to three innings. It was an overall mess. So it would be definitely nice to maybe go out there, get a another reliever. Trevor Rosenthal is still out there. We'll see what Cashman up has up the sleeve. But I'm confident with this team, and I think we have as good of a chance as anybody. So uh, now Chris is going to give an overview of the whole MLB, but we'll see what we're facing this year. Yeah, thank you. So uh, I'm just going to list these things. There's a lot of them, and then we can talk about them in more detail. So obviously Trevor Bauer signing with the Dodgers on a ridiculous contract. It was definitely the offseason story. $102 million for three years with some opt-outs. And then their crowded rotation now. They have Kershaw, Bueller, Price, May, Urias, and Gonsolin. And uh, they're pretty stacked. I mean, Price might actually get traded because his salary is so big that they got to do something. I know they're losing probably Turner and some other key players. Lost Jock Peterson, too. And then we have Lindor and Carrasco to the Mets. And I wrote for nothing because, I mean, I really wanted Lindor. And to see that the Mets didn't really give up too much is kind of upsetting. I mean, I feel like we could have tried to actually do something for that. And Lindor is one of the best players, one of the best shortstops, of course. And if you look at it, he's been healthy for the most part, too. His defense is great, great average. He could hit some home runs, just very reliable. Twins signed Nelson Cruz, big power bat back. I mean, he is kind of old, but he's been doing it at an old age for a while. And the Blue Jays get Springer and Simeon. The Nats signed Brad Hand, who I kind of wanted to, but didn't work out. Kind of wanted more money. Red Sox get Kike Hernandez and Adam Adovino from the Yankees, like we said. And Blake Snell and Yu Darvish traded to the Padres, which Blake Snell out of the American League East is pretty good for the Yankees. I'm really happy about that. Then my other question based off of this is, which AL East team is the biggest threat to the Yankees? I still think it's Tampa. I think for the last couple of years, Tampa has shown that no matter what the talent they have or what people think they have, it's always better than it is. Yes, they lose Morden and Snell, but they have a plethora of guys that they're going to bring up. That I mean, their bullpen is as good as ever. There's no reason to think that's going to change. And Having maybe a Rosarena continues his breakout from the postseason. Guys like Austin Meadows, they're they're good enough to compete in any given game. And I, I'm not sure we we'll, we should be worried about them for taking the division from us. But a matchup in the ALDS or ALCS isn't the one that I think we should hope for at the moment. I agree with that. I, I definitely think the Rays are still going to be a tough team regardless of the year because they have perfected the way of just building up such a great farm system and finding a way, taking their stars, trading them away, just 
just rebuilding. And that's what they do every single year consecutively. And somehow they can get away with it. I love it. And also my guy, G-Man Choi, is on that team. So gotta love him. But Gary also, Cole's father. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do agree with that. I love G-Man Choi. I don't care if he beats up on the Yankees. I don't care. I love him. I love him. Anyway, the one team I think that's the biggest threat to the Yankees got to be the Blue Jays. I mean, they retooled over the offseason. They were already a very young team to begin with, and they played some really good baseball last year. The biggest thing about them, I mean, they have Ryu, who almost was a Cy Young Award winner two years ago. They got Robbie Ray now, Steven Matz, and you got Kirby Yates in the pen. And then you're looking at Vlad, Biggio, uh, Semyon, Bobichet, and Springer all together in that lineup. I feel like just Toronto is just... Maybe not this year, but they're just projected to go up and up and up. I feel like they're going to have a really strong future coming ahead. And they are definitely a team that will give us a run for our money. Yeah, I think they're definitely inserted themselves as a top five lineup. The pitching there, I'm still not that scared of, but they're going to work around this young course. So this is the team we should be worried about for the future. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I feel like I'm worried about both teams, not to win the division, but in the playoffs. Because, I mean... Anything can happen, especially if it's a five-game series. I mean, the better team doesn't always win the five-game series. It's more about the seven-game series to me. But Blue Jays definitely in the future will be better than the Rays, I think. But right now it's really close. I mean, I would probably lean Blue Jays just because what they did this offseason. But, I mean, I think both of them will have very similar records. And then who is your breakout player for for this season on the Yankees, obviously? So mine is Clint Frazier. I mean, his first full season starting this year, hopefully. I mean, if we don't re-sign Gardner. Um, I think he's definitely going to take it to the next level. And his defense is definitely in question, but it's getting a lot better. And I know he's definitely working on it. And as a starter, your defense has to be pretty good, especially for the Yankees, because last year it was absolutely horrible. And I know that's getting hammered into them every day now. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think Frazier can have a really big year this year. He should have a really big year this year. He's been begging for the last few years to get full playing time. He's been, and we've all wanted to see him in the lineup. It, it's just such a crowded outfield. It's really tough to get him at bats. And the big thing is, I think Frazier has to perform this year because we got young guys like an Esteban Florial ready to come up in a year or two. And if he can't put the pieces together for a full season, I don't know if Frazier can be staying in pinstripes for that long. So there's a lot of question marks coming into this season with him. And um, at least for me, I think the breakout player from uh, this season's got to be Michael King. I expect really big things uh, from him. He's definitely going to have a chance to crack the big league rotation this year. I mean, we saw him in the ALDS. He retired all six races he faced. And in four seasons of the minors, he went 28-19, and 2.93 ERA with a whip of 1.065. I mean, I expect big things from him. I've always locked in Michael King as my guy. And I think he can really have a big impact on the rotation this year. Yeah, I think those are great guys. I think with Frazier, it's just going to be more about getting consistent at-bats. He's never played really a full MLB season. His bat speed is some of the best I've seen at the major league level in general, so he has that going for him. The advanced metrics loved him in the outfield last year. Still looked a little weird at times, a little awkward, but if you catch the ball, you make you get the stops. It, that's all that counts. With King... The him and uh, Clark Schmidt. I mean, I'm excited about both of them. I think they're both for the for a team that, that doesn't really bring up a lot of pitching all the time. That this they have the perfect opportunities to be mainstays in the Yankees rotation for years to come. And then I'm going. I'm going a little bit different route. I'm going reliever Jonathan Luizaga. He's been in the Yankees system for a while. He's been pitching the last couple of years. I I just love his stuff. 
it hasn't always turned out into great ERAs and great performances. It's kind of all over the place. But if he can put stuff together with Odovino leaving and Canely leaving, I think he has a shot to maybe be another guy that Boone can trust. And if the more guys like that, the better off everyone will be. That leads me into the next question. So who will have the better season, Kluber or Tyone? I think it's I think it's Tyon. I think with everything that he has in his arsenal, he is younger. He has a retooled mechanics that everyone is raving about. It's a little short arm action. It's allowing him to have more control on his pitches and hopefully coming off his second Tommy John in his career, be able to give him length. They say he's a full go at camp. I personally loved his stuff forever. I think he Kluber definitely has the edge over being a veteran and being there forever, but I, I, I think Tyone's going to surprise a lot of people this year. I mean, I'm thinking I'm just leaning towards Kluber a little more because, I mean, I've seen Kluber and the fact he's a two-time Cy Young Award winner and you're not a two-time Cy Young Award winner without some skill. I feel like he still has his arsenal. I mean, injury has plagued him. And I feel like this is a very big year for him because if he does not perform, he puts up like an ERA of five. This really could tank his uh, MLB contracts for the rest of his career. So I'm just hoping both guys can perform. I really am not sure who's going to take the who's going to take the ring on this one. I mean, this was close for me. That's kind of why I asked it. But I took Kluber just because I feel like we haven't seen him in two years be healthy. But I saw his Cy Young seasons, and when he played against the Yankees, I saw how dominant he was. And Tyon, I mean, he does have good stuff. I. Honestly, haven't really watched him that much. I mean, I've been looking more at highlights, and he does have some great stuff, and he is younger. But I'm a little concerned about the Tommy John. I mean, I know you might not have to be, but I want to see him play a few games, get a few games under his belt first. Yeah, definitely. I like that they're both – there seems to be no restrictions on either of them. They seem to be good to go through camp, and I'm sure it's the Yankees. Some will get injured, forearm strain – well, we'll have a lot of stuff, but for those guys in particular, it would be great if they could just have an, un- an uninterrupted season. And then I, I, I'm, I'll put all my confidence in the world in both of them in the playoffs, especially Corey Kluber. Definitely. Then I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with this, but there's this website that uh, does like advanced standings and stuff and predicts like to a decimal like how many wins your team will have. So it's called P-E-C-O-T-A. Not 100% sure what it stands for, but I was looking at it, and I did think it was pretty interesting because if you look, the Yankees are projected 97.4 wins, and and then I looked and I saw the Mets are 95.5, and I thought that for the Yankees, that's low, and for the Mets, that's kind of high. What do you guys think about that? I don't agree with that whatsoever. I think I don't think the Mets will will win that division whatsoever. They have some pretty stacked competition, but besides that, the Mets have had such a great rotation the last, like, three, four years. I mean, like, you have Noah Syndergaard and all those guys, and they have not been able to put those pieces together. And, like, I don't know how you work with such a great rotation and you can't put those pieces together. That's really annoyed me about the Mets the last few years. Also, I don't really like the Mets, so that also plays into this. The Mets will continue to be the Mets. They could have all the talent in the world, and they'll find a way to screw it up. I personally had them winning the division last year. They finished last. I, I don't. They, I would say they have the most overall talented roster in that division, 
But I think Atlanta runs away with it. I think the Mets make the playoffs in the normal the normal five team. I think they'll be in the wild card game, and then they're a they're a, they're a team that people should worry about just because of Degrom and just their pitching in general. But if we're all being realistic, they'll probably miss the playoffs in hilarious fashion again. But uh, yeah, I think I think the Yankees are going to get a hundred this year. I, I don't think I think they're going to beat up on Baltimore again, and at least that's uh, I think they'll get to hundred. Yeah, I was I was actually looking. I was thinking about like 102, 103 wins for us. And for the Mets, I don't think Lindor is worth that many wins for them. I don't think they're going to crack 90. And if they do, it'll be low 90s. But, yeah, I agree with you, Jackson. I think the Braves are definitely going to win that division. I mean, they're up 3-1 on the Dodgers. And, yeah, they choked. But Freddie Freeman is one of the best players I've seen in a long time. And I don't know. Like They didn't have Max Freed either. He got hurt last season in the beginning and I think that they'll win the division and them and the Padres will definitely challenge the Dodgers I don't think either of them will beat the Dodgers but they'll challenge them I mean that Atlanta yeah. team is such a young core there I mean you have Acuna Jr you have Dancy Swanson and you mentioned Max Freed I mean and you have Ozzy Albies at second base too I mean that team is just built for postseason baseball and they're going to be built to win some championships down the line yeah, I think they're top of their top four right in the order when they throw at you Acuna, then they go Albies. He was batting at the end later in the year, but Albies and then Freeman and then Ozuna's back with that rotation. Adding Charlie Morton, a great postseason pitcher, who's pitched in so many games seven, getting Soroka back from his Achilles, getting free coming off a Scion young caliber season they're they're going to be scary I, I there's no reason to believe that they won't won't be back but again it's baseball so any team any given year you never really know and then this other thing about this uh chart caught my eye was that if you look at the nl central milwaukee's projected to win with 88.8 wins which is by far the lowest for any division winner and the cardinals I, i'm pretty sure this was even after arenado too they are projected to have a losing record. I mean, I think the Cardinals are going to be pretty good this year. Yeah, with the the NL Central and the AL Central, they will continue to live at the bottom of the MLB with no attention from the media, and they deserve none. They are they're just not very good teams at this time. I think St. Louis does win, end up winning the division. They always run out there with a very defensive minded team they're always last in errors they always pitch well it's adding arenado having arenado and goldschmidt on the corners who knows maybe that turns into something great i think it's up for four teams i don't I, pittsburgh will probably be the worst team in the mlb but other cincinnati st louis chicago and milwaukee they can all try for a division title but they will swiftly be a first round exit with any of them yeah i agree with that i mean Cardinals, I don't really know what direction they're heading in because that Arenado trade did kind of confuse me a little bit. I don't know really why they went for that trade considering they have Matt Carpenter. But, I mean, they do have some very young talent and like Jack Flaherty, and they have Dakota Hudson. I mean, two great pitchers and the lead rotation. So I'm not, I wasn't sure what direction they're heading in because, I mean, I felt they were kind of leaning towards more of a rebuild than to get Arenado. I'm not really sure. I mean, we'll see what happens, though. All right, and then the last thing before we get into some questions from the fans was I saw this interesting thing on Instagram where it was, can the Dodgers' three big-name starters each win 20 games? So Kershaw, Bueller, and Bauer. 
And to me, Bauer's a great pitcher. He's overrated, and now he's overpaid. And his career record is 75-65 and 65 with a 3.90 ERA. And I think his wins are going to get inflated. I don't know if he'll hit – I don't think he'll hit 20. But being on the Dodgers, if you just go out there and throw five innings and you give up two runs, you'll be up 15-2. to two. So you'll probably get a win. I think we'll see some of the stuff we saw with Herman back in uh, 2019 with his 18 wins with his four ERA. But with Bauer, with the 21 things, it's not going to happen in today's MLB. There's just no way. They're not going to stay healthy. Wins are such a weird thing in general. I think, I, personally, I think Bauer will do it. I think he's the guy who's going to stay healthy the whole year, who's going to ask to pitch. He's not going to try. He's not going to miss his spot around the rotation. He's probably going to start the most games out of all of them. That's just the way he is. He wants to start every fourth day instead of every fifth day. He'll get to 20, I think. Kershaw, there's zero chance. I, I, I would be happy if Kershaw makes like 20, 25 starts. I, I think they're going to take it back on him a little bit. I don't think they're going to let him go crazy. And then Bueller, Bueller, Bueller's been my Cy Young candidate every single year. Hopefully he puts things really together, but I, I'm one of the, I love Walker Bueller so much. I agree with that. I mean, just overall with this Dodgers team, I think you're just so stacked in pitching-wise and hitting-wise. I don't think you need to exhaust your guys like Kershaw, Bueller, and Bauer getting 30-plus starts out of them every year. I feel like, for just for Kershaw, you can definitely go on the lower side of starts. I mean, overall, this Dodgers team, regardless of wins, is going to be fine for each guy. I mean, they know what they want to do. They want to repeat again, and I think they can very well do that. I mean, I think they should repeat based on their team and how good they are. I mean, it's very tough to repeat unless you're the Yankees. But <laughs> Well, th- think about it. In the last 20 years, the last time there was a repeat winner in, the, in baseball was the uh, three-peat Yankees or in the late 90s. Do, do we not count the Giants even years as 2010-2012? Honestly, we, we, no. we, we might as well. That, that, <laughs> that, that was impressive within itself, but... I really do not see the the Dodgers are obviously the favorites, but teams repeating in the MLB just does not happen. There's too many moving parts and everything. A couple of players can't really skew things. So we'll see who gets hot in uh, October and uh, hopefully it's not the Dodgers. All right. So now we got some questions from our Instagram story. People swiped up. So will Andujar end the year as a Yankee? I mean, I, don't want him to because I think he still has some trade value. And you're at midseason. Hopefully we can get another pitcher. I mean, I hope we don't need another. It's always good to have extra pitching, but hopefully Kluber and Tyone stay healthy. But if one of them does go down, we could trade Andujar and hopefully get a decent pitcher. No, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I don't think Andujar will be a Yankee by the end of this year. I think he's definitely going to get moved sometime soon. My thing with Andujar is that his defense is not the most reliable. They try moving him to first. They try moving him to left. It's just not there. I mean, his bat is undeniable. It's there. But he just has to prove himself, and and he's going to have a very short period of time to do that. And if he can't produce what he did that rookie year, I really don't see him sticking around that long. I think it may fall into a thing of just having him as extra depth, not really looking out for him necessarily being like, we're going to trade him to somewhere he can develop and stuff. Cause at this point, no one's going to be giving an MLB starter for Andujar. They're not going to take on that risk. He can't really play the field at all. 
he's a good have one at bat in the eighth inning, but like pinch hitting for who? We're not the NL. We're not pinch hitting for a pitcher. So there's he's not going to play any role in the Yankee this year if there's not a bunch of injuries. So who knows? But I think he'll stay on the team. I don't think he'll have any impact whatsoever. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he's going to have any impact. And hopefully we don't have to see him hit in the playoffs or hit in the regular season at all. I mean, I don't want injuries and I don't want to see him playing. I mean, I'd rather just trade him. But, I mean, like you said, we're not going to get a starter for him. But if we throw in some other pieces, I think he still has some decent value. If we throw in a prospect or two, we could get someone. It's not like to go up four really good prospects. Yeah, you know Cashman, though. He does, he does not like to trade any of his top prospects or any guy that was ever good. He uh, holds on to them very tightly. Yeah. Next question was, will the Yankees re-sign Gardner? I'll let you guys go first. Uh, I want him back in pinstripes so bad. But I, first things first, the money. We don't have the money for it and because Cashman and the team does not want to go over the cap. And also, I just don't see where Gardner would fit in this year. I mean, it's very tough. I really don't see a lot of open space for him. I mean, we have Clint, and then we have Judge and Hicks. And then you have Mike Talkman. You have Greg Allen. Like, uh, it's just going to be tough. I, I really don't see a place for him on this roster. And that's really sad. I mean, he would have, he's still, if he resigned, he's still the uh, longest tenured Yankee. And it's going to be tough if, it's tough to see him go and even play somewhere else at this point. I'd say yes. I think they're going to bring him back. Just they'll, they'll figure out some way to manipulate the money where whatever the amount going to the luxury taxes won't be pushing them over the edge because they're not going to go over the edge just for Gardner. But just like we said, we have two linebackers that play in the uh, outfield. I know Stanton plays more DH, but th- it's fair to say that they'll miss some games. And we we Gardner always finds a way to not start the season and then play 140 games. So I think they bring him back. I think he hits low 200s in the regular season and then grinds out some important at-bats in the postseason like he did last year. And to have a guy like Gardner in righty-heavy lineup, I think very essential at this moment. So I think they'll bring him back. Yeah, I mean, I think we will, but it's going to be for cheap. And I think he's going to realize that he's not worth what he was used to being worth but he's not going to have the same role at all either he's not going to start but I do want to get Judge off his feet every few days just to make sure because I'd rather have Judge play four out of five games and then not get hurt instead of missing playing like six days in a row and then missing two months so I feel like we kind of pushed him a little bit the next question second to last one who will replace Tommy Canley I feel like Jackson already kind of said it a little bit but yeah, I mean, I, I like Loazigo for that thing. I think there's other options. There's Nick Nelson. There's Sessa. These are guys that have shown flashes. I don't know if they're necessarily over a full season. I, I think it's going to be a lot of, hopefully our starters can pitch deep into games and we're not necessarily having to throw a bunch of guys. But I think I think Boone's just going to try everything for the whole year and then when we're at the playoffs, we'll have, probably have a better understanding of who we trust, hopefully, like three to four guys. Yeah, I mean, we got Darren O'Day now. I mean, and people forget, we still have Chad Green, Zach Britton, and Chapman. I mean, those three guys at the back end of the pen, and even Chaddy can come in early if we need it. Like, those guys are just flame-throwing dominant. 
So that's going to be really fun to see. I mean, I wasn't a fan of losing Ottavino. I liked Ottavino a lot. I really didn't want to lose him. But, I mean, I get it for the money and everything. But uh, it's going to be more of towards the end of the season where we really see the roster come to full shape. So, yeah. And the last question was, will Mike Ford step up as the backup first baseman? Um, hopefully, Voight, his foot issues are kind of done. He can play 140 to 150 games. and. Ford will come in, maybe pinch hit a little bit, but I think he's done a decent job. It's honestly just really hard to hit when you don't get everyday opportunities. We saw that with Frazier. Yeah, he definitely had flashes more two years ago than last year. I love what I saw from him last year. I know it was a shortened season. His at-bats didn't look as good. It was more rolling stuff over to the right side, but I mean... I think there'll be more of when we're trying to rest Voight, that'll be more like a the DH or DJ to first, Tyler Wade in there. I don't know if he's going to necessarily, if Boone's going to necessarily try to give Ford a lot of at-bats, but I'm sure if there was ever an opportunity that Ford's in the lineup for a while, that he could give some decent at-bats. But I, I, I'm not as high on Mike Ford as I was in the past. Uh, okay, so honestly, what I'm going to say here might shock you. I don't think Mike Ford will be playing first base anytime. And soon, I think we're going to keep him in uh, the bullpen because, you know, that one game he had when he pitched two innings, he was dominant. So, I don't think Mike Ford will be a backup first baseman anytime soon. <laughs> Put him in the rotation. He's the new Chapman. Thank you. On that note, thank you guys for listening to our first ever episode of the PBC Yankees podcast. We'll be back next week, next Wednesday. Thank you.